You ready, Lindley? I guess as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> Lindley, thank you so much for being on Girl Eats World. I appreciate you tremendously. Organic. Authentic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we have had a really great weekend. I haven't hung out with you since the holidays, I don't think. Mm -mm. Right? And so... I've moved to LA and decided since mom was going to be in town to come up and hang out with you. And so it's been cool. Um, we had, what'd you call it? Take your sister to work day. <laughs> yeah. So that was really fun. And I was having a bad day. So it was really and she nice was having to see a bad day. surprise my mom because I love seeing my mom get excited about things because she deserves to be excited about life. She's gone through a lot of shit and deserves to like have some fun yeah she yeah our mom is the best she fills my heart with joy um she also is triggering but that's another thing entirely <laughs> that's some darkness <laughs> <laughs> it's just I just want her to be proud of me okay yeah and not worry about me but anyway we surprised her it was a lot of fun because she didn't think I was going to be here um and we've eaten a lot of food and that's about it we walked around trying to shop. We didn't buy anything, which I think is was ultimately, in the moment, it was disappointing, but ultimately it was much better off for everybody involved. It was mostly like being unable to see our mom satisfied with <laughs> like her 50th purse or like her 60th yeah. pair of shoes. Yeah, she's doing really well, guys. She's doing very well. You need stock tips. Yeah. Yeah, she's playing a stock game. And so I was trying to, to get her to give me pointers all weekend. Um, and there's a little bit of a, a language barrier, so that was cool. If you want to go to Bali, she knows the plan. Yeah, she's got a strategy. If you want to go on a two-week cruise around Europe, your girl's got you. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how she's so resourceful and, and, and really strategic and really brilliant. And then other times, she's completely, like, plays up, plays up the language barrier, plays up that she's confused... She doesn't remember the names of things. So <laughs> when she can't navigate the grocery store to buy very basic ingredients, but then she manages to get on the internet and like, you know, not give out her social security number <laughs> and, you know, get a virus on her computer, end up with like a lifetime supply of tampons from Amazon or something. No, she it's did really sign up for a Ponzi scheme skincare thing before, though. Yeah. She was getting charged, like, $89 a month. I do, I do remember that. And she asked me, what is this? And I said, well, you signed up for it. And then I showed her exactly what she signed up for, which said on the invoice. So then I had to call them and threaten to write a report on the Better Business Bureau. Oh, wow. To give her the refund because they were being pushy and saying, like, well, too late. And I... I had to pull out the stops. Yeah, yeah. To get her, her money back. Right. That's Lynn's Lynn's good for that. You are good for I'll shake people up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, you, if you need to get something done and you need to stand up to bullies. If you mess with mine, I will come get yours. That's the short <laughs> end of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's what happens when you're a victim of your own vanity, you know? She just wants to look young, even though she looks <laughs> I think she's like she's Benjamin Button. She's Benjamina Button. <laughs> <laughs> somebody told me I was in Canada last week for a trip, and somebody told me at the border that I looked like I was seventeen. 
And I didn't know if I should take that as a compliment or not. There was a part of me that was like, okay, well, I guess once I'm like 40, 50 and people still You'll be grateful that, for that. I'll be super grateful. But like, it does, it did feel weird for a little bit because I'm like, I stress like a 40, 50 year old. Actually, that's mean. I didn't mean to age anyone who's listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's very PC. That's okay. You're being honest. I have a chip on my shoulder. And if anybody, um, if anybody speaks to me in that way where they're condescending or patronizing, and then on top of it, they, they emphasize how, how young I look. I mean, depending on the tone, I definitely, I definitely get a little defensive. I mean, it's hard not to, because you've seen shit. You've seen life probably more than them. I'm 34 years old. Yeah, so, I mean, you fought for that 34. <laughs> I fought hard. That's right. Yes. So, I mean, people got to give credit where credit's due. But then they look at you and they're like, oh, you have your license? Really? And you just want to punch them in the face. Yeah, yeah. I get satisfaction when someone tries to card me and I hand them my, my ID and... You know, you see the the realization on their face that I'm actually older than they are, and I could probably be their mom. I mean, you gotta take that for what it's worth. Yeah, stroke your ego with that shit. All How do we get to the subject? Oh, well, mom, I think we we were giving her a hard time a little bit, um, but she's killing it. Basically, long story short, mom's killing it, and we had a great time with her this Yay, weekend. Yay, mom! Yay! I wish she could have seen your. Has she seen your office yet? Mm-mm. Oh, damn. Yeah, I should have showed her. I, I mean, it's that. whatever. It, it, it's not that glamorous, which is, I guess, part of why you would show her. So she has a, an idea of what you do, like the grind. Because I built that shit. She built that shit. So, yeah, I should have shown her. Oh, well. Okay, so speaking of, this is my sister. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I, should be, I should start out, start there. This is my sister. I apologize that my... Um, her energy, energy level, level is really low. She's also, had a long ass day. We I'm haven't slept. really gassy. She's really gassy. Sorry. Which I don't even know why this is an exception because it's pretty. I mean, I don't want to put your business out there, but I get I get bloated. This is very. She's very real. She's very honest. Um, I'm also on my period, so that probably does not help. There you go. There's that too. Great. Well, now we're <laughs> now that we're clear on those two fronts. Uh, <laughs> Hi, my name is Lynn. This is Lynn. This is my I, sister. I'm a woman, which is why I have these feelings. <laughs> yeah. No, and she's also a, a business lady. Um, and yeah, so anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll let her give you the one minute spiel of what she does in the event that you don't know beyond that she's my sister, um, you know, what her deal is. And then you could, you could be as, as brief and as however you want, Lynn. I know we could talk, we'll talk about like. I got you. All right. Okay, I'll go ahead. Pitch. Yeah. Hi, away. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Lynn. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Society9. It's uh, the brand for the fight within every woman, and we make modern women's boxing gear and active wear to empower you in your fight. No matter what fight that is, folks. Yeah. <laughs> so we're based in Portland, Oregon. We've been around for three years. It's our fourth year now. Um... And we actually launched the company through Kickstarter. That's how we got started. Um, I was working a full-time job, uh, working on the idea nights and weekends. And uh, I was also teaching kickboxing. Important detail. Uh, I was teaching kickboxing and I was super passionate about Krav Maga, which if you don't know what that is, it's a Israeli self-defense martial art. I got my brown belt in that. And 
was teaching kickboxing at the time and that was when I was realizing that there was a real issue because I had a lot of female students who often would come up to me as the instructor asking like where can I find good gloves because I'm wearing these and oftentimes it was like the really nasty ass bubblegum pink shit that was huge and they would be hurting themselves and they would be complaining about you know wrist pain and they're too big they feel like they're gonna fall off they're ugly also but they can't find anything else on the internet um and the more I heard that the more I realized like I I have super small hands hi and me that was too. me waving onto the camera that you might not be able to see. If you're watching it, though, you can see how small our hands are. Um, and I, I was realizing that I was, you know, double wrapping my hands, putting tape, just doing little things that would allow me to literally close my fist a little bit better. And I didn't really think about it as a problem until they brought it to my attention. And, and I cared enough to sort of look into it. And then I became super obsessed with it because it was something that, I was really passionate about to begin with, but then, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that these women couldn't like unleash or like release their potential essentially in my classes because they're stressing out about not being able to close their fist or hurting themselves, which is lame. Which mirrors kind of just how, how they live their lives anyway, because they have to suppress that, you know, you have to like so contain many, so much symbolism so oh my much. gosh what a metaphor for life yeah so many layers so anyway so we've been around for three three four years now and uh we're really i'm really proud of what we've accomplished my me and my small and nimble team and uh, we're launching a bunch of more shit this year that we're really excited about and yeah I, i'm proud of you too Lindley. thanks so speaking of kickboxing instructing we both have that in common and um, actually, you you inspired me to actually start training in any kind of combat sport. I had the interest in Muay Thai specifically, not Krav, but I just never really had the balls to take a class and try it out because I had never been athletic and I thought that's kind of extreme to go from feeling really non, non-athletic, whatever that means, and then to jump into that class. Like I was intimidated, right? Um, but then you were doing craw for several years at that point, I feel like, or maybe it was just one year, but it felt like several years because you trained so much. Yeah. I mean, I, I started right after college. So I graduated in 2011 and then I like, it was super, I became super addicted essentially. I threw my first punch and it was like a spiritual awakening. And then I just kept going for a long ass time. Okay. So I actually, then I, that means I followed suit the following year because you would tell me about it and it sounded so fucking cool. I mean, you were doing cool shit like disarming people with, I mean, pretend guns. <laughs> but that's, that, that was more than that was more than I could do. That's that's the Krav Maga life right there. Super yeah. casual. Yeah, super Just, casual. That's a party trick for you. I mean, get the dates too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we could talk about that if you if you really want. Um, but yeah, it's it's so funny. I've been really reflective, especially lately, thinking about just like where we've come from we you and I but just we as in just you know in general when we grow up like all the things that we go through in life and how we turn that into something or like where it takes us um and thinking about when we were growing up and when we were little kids how different we were like I was super shy I was also really I was a bully I was bossy I was bossy and I was a bully and I think about that a lot because I, I have a chip on my shoulder and I don't deny it. 
Um, and it's, it's gradually like softening. The edges are softening with age, but I bullied you quite a bit and you were a much different person back then. I don't remember a lot of my childhood to be totally honest. Are you, really? Mm-mm. I remember like little flickers and like glimmers, but I think that kind of, it kind of freaks me out because it makes me wonder like, is my memory going to be shot by the time I'm like 50? I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think that you've, you've lived a lot already and you just your brain scoots out information to in order to add new information maybe i don't know i mean I'll you've also that. That had a lot of better because <laughs> otherwise i feel like a little head trauma i feel really bad i i i hear these memories from like my parents or my sister or whatever and i feel like really sad when i legitimately cannot recall what on earth anyone is talking about it makes me feel like really sad like I don't want to feel like I'm missing a part of my childhood I don't think anybody remembers but sometimes like the memories you have I'm like when was that I could be I could be making it up entirely I guess that's true yeah I guess that's true like like I, I have like um I have pictures like snapshots and then I fill in the blanks I guess you know? that's true. I mean, that's kind of how I work too. For it wouldn't hold up in a court remember. of law. It would not hold up in a court of law. Yeah. And and you know what? The pictures that um, that mom and dad have taken in, in photo albums, like I I probably have taken those snapshots, those literal snapshots, and turned them into to full fledged memories. But what I do remember is being a bully because I was being bullied. Hurt people hurt people, guys. <laughs> that was the saying this, my... this weekend. It's the it's my saying right it's my saying for life. It's it's very applicable. I, I'm realizing that about myself. You realize that with other people, you you know, when you look in the outside world and you see weird shit happening and sad shit and and you ha- you ask why it's because hurt people hurt people. So I was a hurt person hurting other people in my life. That primarily was my family because they were in my face all the time. But what I remember was I wasn't. Were, I was just there (laughs) she was quite popular actually at least from this side of things because I was the opposite I was not very popular um but I there was another point I was that's just a sidetrack oh right you were I was shy and a bully you were really afraid of things and so it's it's really cool to see now that like if you know if shit goes down if shit goes down, we lose power, and somebody comes in here and tries to mess with us, you got my back. <laughs> oh, I mean, like, that's the crop of the garage drilling right there. Like, we would literally, they would turn off the freaking lights, blast fucking Slipknot, and say, put your mouth guard in, and that's literally what we did. I mean, shout out to the Brute Squad, my old girl gang at Krav Maga, because, like, we got we got down with that shit right there. Like <laughs> that sounds like it's like sensory testing. It sounds like an ideal team building exercise. It was fucking dope. I mean, like it makes you feel alive because you're just like I don't know. You was there just, strobe? Uh, sometimes, but oftentimes it was just straight up dark. And yeah, like they would turn the music up really loud, and the whole intention would be to like. Obviously, there would be specific skills that they were teaching you that day. So whether it's like specific choke positions, headlock positions, whatever. And so they're training your reflexes. And so like after we drilled and did, you know, tons and tons of reps for each of those skills, 
they would say, all right, like time to put them to the test and yeah, shut off the freaking lights, turn on the music. So you're just like completely taken out of your body and then like, and shut on top of that, shut your eyes. So you're shutting your eyes. It's dark as fuck. You got your mouth guard in and you're like panting, but in your head, you're kind of like, all right, motherfucker, let's go. And then, like, the moment the <laughs> joke... This is so metal. And then... <laughs> and then this when, is, yeah, this is like a mosh pit. It's what, it's what I'm imagining. I'm imagining a mosh pit. And yeah. strobe lights. But, and then, like, you know, you feel the hands, like, around your throat. You're just like, boom. You, you know what's next. Like, you know the natural reflex. Or, like, someone, like, throws you into a headlock. You know exactly where the hands need to go. Because it's like... You know the hands, the speed, like, the... You're in a flow twist. state. You're not yeah. thinking anymore. Totally. Flow state. Yeah. I think that's the best way to describe it. It's flow state. So, like, it's it's awesome. I think the, the shitty thing with that, though, is, like, when you're going camping with people and somebody thinks it's funny oh, to do that. Yeah. Like, it is reflexive. Like, I do, I do have, I'm, I know I sound like a complete psycho right now but you gotta check yourself but just like other people it's just a natural reaction and so like like I almost elbowed from behind I almost elbowed my colleague who I share our office and warehouse space with I almost elbowed him because he came up from behind me to hug me and I was the only one at the office I said motherfucker I swear to god you need to not do that when I'm by myself because like I could have shanked you with this box cutter and it would have been so bad yeah, the element of surprise is what you have. People don't expect that you have the skill set, you know. Or just, like, a ref. I don't know, it's just a reflex. Like, I, I'm 4 foot 11. Right. I'm, I've, I've trained myself to throw down if I have to. <laughs> yeah. So I'm ready. That's, whenever I see prank videos, like, people doing stuff, like, dressing up as scary things and trying to scare people. Yeah, and they think that's Or surprising people. And they think that that's shit a, is funny. That's a, it's bad news. Bad news for you if you end up doing it to me. Because... Yeah, if you get freaking throat punched, not so funny anymore. Yeah. Or lose an eyeball. Mm-hmm. Or you freaking, like, in my case, had a box cutter in my hand. Like, yeah, that gone no so promises. South. No promises. You're not going to get hurt. So, how do we talk about killing people? That's weird. Because you were talking about bullying and stuff. Right, bullying. Well, I remember you were, like, scared of the dark, which I guess... I still don't like the dark. Which I guess is... Well, I mean, I guess that makes sense why Krav would appeal to you, right? Because it's... it's, um, Well, I wanted to overcome that. Right. And you did. I remember when... God, you used to live in an apartment where it was on the bottom floor. Oh, And it was, like, next to the dumpster. And I came to visit you, and I was like, this is the worst thing you could have done to yourself. Listen, because it was do you $650. Sleep? It was $650. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. And it was in the heart of Southeast Portland, which it, that uh, same apartment is probably like $1,500 now. So, like, yeah. I was going to take it. But, yeah, I felt like I had to get ready all the time. And when I say ready, I don't mean, like, look pretty. I mean get ready as in, like, <laughs> like tonight my life is going to depend on it. Yeah. It's funny because I don't have that weight. That, I don't have that necessarily, like, fear in life I think maybe as I've gotten older I've developed that fear where I'm like on edge you know because we we live in like MAGA country now and you never know who's who's mad at me that I that I live and breathe the same air so that so now I feel that kind of like 
who's gonna who's gonna come at me but in the past i never had that i mean even before maga shit man i like i just always feel like you gotta be ready i mean after (laughs) parking lots yeah you know like walking anywhere in the dark even when i'm in a freaking mall i just look at where are the exits like the first thing i look at where are the exits in case of earthquakes yeah or just like i live in oregon which is an uh uh, open carry? Concealed carry. Concealed carry. So I just, I am always, I'm always looking around. And not, like, I don't look like a weirdo who's just, like, darting my eyes around like a psycho, but I, like, I'm watching. Yeah, so, like, if you yeah. don't think I'm watching you, I am. Like. I see you. Yeah. I don't care if you're wearing a Whole Foods or whatever. Like, I'm watching you. Like, I, it's funny because I never had a very good sense of self, or like, physical awareness growing up but then like in my 20s and now like I just turned 30 last year I am hyper aware I mean you could say to a fault of course but like at the same time like I that is that is the life tax I pay as a four foot eleven woman (laughs) life tax that's the that's your that is my saying life taxes yeah 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 I will pay that life tax for the rest of my life and that's okay but now like I said like you might think I'm not watching you but I am so (laughs) <laughs> Needless to say, some of Lynn's favorite stuff to watch on TV or in Netflix is uh, espionage. Yep. There's like, you know, career plans, you know, A through F. And, you know, <laughs> I gotta stack. I gotta stack the cards. Yeah, we used to, do you remember we used to talk about like, okay, so we need to learn how to shoot guns. We need to learn how to uh, pick locks. I did learn how to shoot. So that's yeah. something I did learn. Mostly because like I'm not personally a gun enthusiast, but rather like I want to understand. Like if Sure, yeah. If I can't control the law beyond my vote and who I vote for and that sort of thing, then like the least I could do is like truly understand how does it work. So if I am confronted with it, I can I, I know what the heck is going on. I mean, like, that was one of the things that was also taught at Krav Maga because there were definitely a lot of students that very, I mean, it was very polarizing. People either were for it or against it. And I was one of the few who sort of sat in the middle where I was like, listen, like, it's difficult to reverse 200 and whatever years of our country's history and culture and our relationship with guns and all that stuff. So, like, how I feel to address that is... You, you just gotta, you gotta learn educate. how to works. Educate. Yeah, just like we learn works. how to drive cars and we learn the, the rules of the road. And the nice thing about Krav Maga too is you also learned how to, like, little things like how does the trigger work? You know, what sets it off? If you were in a situation where you could actually control the person, what is a way to essentially prevent them uh, from being able to follow through with a shot? Now... I'm oversimplifying this and for anyone who's ever been, you know, a victim or who has experienced and survived, bless you, first of all. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not trying to sit here saying, like, I know exactly what I would do because that would be unfair to everyone who's ever faced that. But Oh, you can never know. Yeah, but I was, a, like, I think it's still important to just always kind of prepare. That's why, like, I do like going to, like, a shooting range and just learning because... It does help me personally as an American living through this shit to just feel empowered in a different way. Not empowered literally by owning a gun, but empowered in like a all right, I know what I'm I know what I'm facing. I understand the power. And I also 
it puts you, it allows you to almost put your mind into that place of like, what would I do if I heard those pops? And in some ways, like that is self-defense in of itself. Like it's hard to explain. It's, it, it is going shooting is an out of body experience. And I, I have a lot of friends who are adamantly against guns and I can understand why, but there is a part of it that I would encourage people exploring just because it does, it is a unique experience well, speaking from the other end of things, the other end meaning like I've, I have zero experience with them, with guns, and I would like to learn. And I, I never, I wasn't like this before. Um, and it was, it was primarily fear-based, you know, it is scary and um, it's powerful. It's, you know, the weapon is powerful and so that you're afraid of it. But then a great way to take away a lot of that fear from it is to understand it, right? And it's not going to go away, like you said. And, and not, I mean, not immediately. Not, imme- not immediately, yeah. Um, but anyway, why are we are real passionate? Yeah, real passionate about this this stuff. Um, and all I, all I said was that you were a different kid than <laughs> you are now. Listen, I've changed. Yeah, life takes you places. Changed woman. <laughs> Yeah, um, but because of all this, eventually it. Le- I oh my god, we were talking about kickboxing. Yeah, so I started <laughs> taking kickboxing classes, <laughs> and, and then guns. I also became. And I also became an instructor. And I remember when you came to take one of my classes. I'd never taken one of your classes. I'm sure they would have kicked my ass because I, you know, uh, my cardio is suspect. But you came in one of my classes, and it's funny because a lot of us. A lot of people compare us as far as like our appearance and the way we sound and that we're very much alike. Obviously, we've lived with our own faces for our whole lives, so that we see like we do look a lot. Like we do look no okay. Well, as we've gotten older, I feel like we've, older, we've merged yes. a little bit more. Um, but in the pa- in the past, I feel like when we were younger, we we definitely. But anyway, I've never I never saw it um, that distinctly until you were in my class. And you were like working with somebody else. Like we, I had everybody break up into pairs or something like that. And I heard you motivating somebody or coaching somebody as you were paired with them. And I, I was like, I had an out of body experience because it sounded so much like me that tripped me out. And so from then on, I was like, okay, I guess I really, I, yeah, I guess that's, that's where, that's what it is for sisters. It makes sense. Everyone always, I, I feel like people always say that we have very similar voices. So I guess we'll let the podcasters decide if that. <laughs> yeah. It's probably a, it the sounds at you have the most adequate uh, perspective on that. Yeah. It probably sounds like I'm talking to myself and I'm really good at layering my voice on top of like two voices, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm talking. I sound like two people. Oh. Like I'm having a conversation with myself right now. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 That might freak people out, but. Yeah stuck with us I wanted you to share about your company because obviously that's it's really rad I think so I like you know to to put it mildly but and and you're and you're and you're my younger sister and um you are let me like just kind of floof up your ego for a second or make you feel uncomfortable I don't know whichever it's usually make me feel uncomfortable yeah that's fine that's fine just deal with it um I you know I'm still in the process of self-discovery I'm a late bloomer and this and this podcast actually is is a part of me figuring out what where my voice is um 
on the flip side, I feel like you knew or at least had an idea of your purpose really early on. And even if your purpose was just, you know, if you, you're passionate and when you see an injustice, you fight it, you know, you seek justice. If you feel like people need, you know, a voice, someone to stand up for them, you do that. If you, I don't know, if you have an idea, you want to pursue it and like own it and really like pull, put your all into it, right? Like you were ASB president in middle school. You're on this, like this, the school board <laughs> because there weren't any water, like there was no water in like the. It's because I like the gavel. The vending machines. <laughs> oh, okay. This is the. The, the truth comes out. Yeah, you got an official gavel, like a, a real full-blown fucking gavel. And I was like, I want that gavel because I didn't have Abercrombie and Fitch, and that's what the popular girls had. And I was like, bitch, I'm going to have a gavel and be the president. <laughs> so y'all can compare each other's outfits, talk about who's got the most boyfriends. I'm just going to bang the shit out of this gavel. All right, Cersei Lannister, you like the power. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yous was power hungry. I liked the idea of making the decisions that were going to impact these fickle-ass people who were making me feel bad about myself just because I wasn't wearing freaking Abercrombie and Fitch. So being in that position and saying, we're not buying fucking moon pies and raisinets for the student store anymore. Sorry. Like, that was pretty dope. Wait, what you got against raisinets? That shit got stuck in your teeth. I love raisinets. Oh my gosh, we're going to have to talk about this later. But anyway, yeah, so like if I get to make decisions and rule on them <laughs> and they get to impact all of you, <laughs> that's all that, Okay, so, I'm kind of reliving my glory right now, just like reflecting on this. Please, Thank I you. love this. I love this. That's great. Thank you. Isn't it funny how hurt insecure- people hurt people. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It always goes back to that because here I am. Revoke the-, the moon pies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a battle cry. Um, from my side of things, it was, I was like, man, she's so, you know, accomplished, does all these things, so passionate, puts herself out there, ballsy, blah, blah, blah. Here I am, so insecure, shy, don't know what the hell I'm doing, don't want to be judged, all these things. Meanwhile, the Abercrombie, Abercrombie and Fitch bitches. Can't win out. It, I guess so. it depends on how, how well you wield that, that insecurity and turn it into something or not. I mean, I think, I don't know what triggered it, but I feel like at some point in elementary school or middle school, I came quickly to realize that the way that you win things actually wasn't by being the loudest. So in like the case of elementary, middle and high school politics, of course, it's like who's the prettiest and who, who's literally the loudest, right? Like, just makes a lot of noise, both literally and m- metaphorically. And I was like, I think, I think the soonest that I realized that, like, there were actually people behind the scenes who actually... Doing the work? Do the work, yeah. And it wasn't like, oh, a poli-sci class. I just mean, it had to have been, like, clubs or, like, obviously the associate student body uh, experience or whatever, like, student government... Like, I don't know if it was that whole experience, but just something allowed, I witnessed early on, allowed me to realize, like, 
yeah, I'll be diplomatic and, like, make sure that I'm hanging with, like, the popular crowd, quote-unquote, just so that I, like, survive or whatever. But, like, you know, I only survived because I bought the, like, wannabe Abercrombie shit. Like, I dressed the part with the fucking Ugg boots and shit. But I was, like, writing down <laughs> the homework assignments. I knew everything because it was organized in my agenda, my planner. And I knew when shit was due. And people would fucking call me all the time to ask, hey, did you get that homework assignment? I didn't, like, pay attention right now. I'm like, I'm not surprised. So, you know, I started realizing that there were other ways for me to gain that respect, like, by very peaceful but powerful means. Like, I have this over you. I actually have all the schedules for all of the projects that are due. And if you don't remember to turn it on time, you're going to get an F. So you can ask me for help because I'm one of the few who actually pay attention or you can just fail. So... It's that patient, biding my time, this will pay off in the end kind of perspective. Yeah, and actually, you know... That's a ruthless type A. You know, this is a very nice conversation because I've been reflecting about (laughs) a lot about this in terms of how to run a business. And honestly, like, you know, some of my best mentors, honestly, uh, are both male and female, but like specifically for the female mentors who have you know been in executive positions or whatever what I appreciate about all of them is they're not they don't like actually concentrate on like how to get people at their own game they they naturally have this like powerful grace that's like the best way to describe it it's like they keep their receipts like you do your thing do whatever it is that you want but like they watch and it's not messy no it is not at all and I love learning from them because like, there is a way to ultimately, like, be diplomatic and get what you want and still, like, own that power. And it's, it's classy dope. as fuck. It's, got, it's dope. That's, like, yeah. my favorite part. One of my, like, one of the blessings that I, I get to gain in this experience, even if the business fails, like, you know, it, allow, it allows me to see it just a different way of doing things. And so it comes full circle, especially with the whole, like, I'm going to... You either play nice with me or, like, you're going to not turn in your homework assignment and get an F. Like, it comes full circle. (laughs) (laughs) How? What is... That makes me sound so mean. I'm not mean. I know. I know. I was going to say... I was going to say a caveat. I was like, okay, well... Food chain. This is just... Food chain. Food chain. It's very... It's realistic. It's... It's... You can't fight nature. What is it like to pursue something and put your whole life into it knowing that there's... 50-50, 50-50, even more, that it probably won't work out. Not saying that, that that's your destiny, but just when before you even get started, right? You have to weigh some stuff. You have to mm. weigh, consider a lot of things and weigh everything and be like, all right, all the chips are in, but no guarantees. What does that feel like? And how do you, how do you even, what do you tell yourself? What do you do, like, you know, in practice, like, what are the things that you can do to kind of, to put it crudely, nut up? Mm. I spent probably four months of my life before I, like, made ultimately a decision that, like, okay, I'm going to put a timeline to this and I'm going to quit my job at X date or, like, at this point when I can demonstrate X, Y, and Z proof of life of this, like, business idea. Like, I probably spent a good three to four months early on. So before I even had a brand name, before I even really started diving deep into everything, I 
I went, I still chipped away at it, but like I spent a good three or four months during that time slowly chipping away and like asking myself that question. Like if I really, like what was the worst to happen? And I had to just play out every scenario from like financial, what could happen? You know, personal bankruptcy, to totally demolish my financial record, totally be homeless and like not, not eat, not have a warm place to sleep, not be have friends or family who care about me like pure destitution right Jeez. <laughs> I mean I know, I, I know okay yeah yeah you have to you have to take you yourself have to there. Go there because that's yeah. what people fear most right is like yeah. the loss of security the pure loss of security in all aspects so like if you're stripping away your pure basic survival needs which is like housing food and, and money to whatever degree that looks like but like housing food and and money whatever degree that looks like then like that's basically the worst thing that can happen to you now I'm, I'm simplifying that like that's a, that's a big deal but I'm blessed like I I have I'm blessed to know that I do have a family that does love me so at minimum sometimes sometimes with this one but my mom <laughs> my mom though will always love me and uh I you know aunts and uncles whatever you know friends I have close friends I'm blessed to have close friends who believe in me succeed or fail you know and so I I just took solace in that and then once it's never like a right time to feel okay with that and then go all in but there was a point in time where I like made peace with that I think that's the best way to describe it is like you talk to yourself enough and you're like all right you also have to be driven by by um like there there's no other choice right that that energy driving behind it also do you know what I mean? Like, you could not not do it. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, I... Because arguably you had a, a pretty comfortable, for most, it would be, like, not comfortable, but, like, a, a challenging, fulfilling if you saw it that way. Like, you were in a good place. I mean, job-wise, I was fine. Like, yeah. I was on a way to certainly being, like, very reasonably comfortable. But, you know, I, I was living and breathing the gym outside of work. I was living and breathing in the gym and not even just from like, a, oh, I want to see gains, but just like, I liked being there. That was my community. And the community piece was really important because like, I, I didn't have a social life otherwise, but that community did so much more for me to, cause I'm an introvert by nature actually. And that community did so much for me to learn so a lot about myself. And I kept thinking to myself of like all the students that I had whose lives changed, not because of me necessarily, but like, but you, but you participated in that. You helped. I, I was, I was given the opportunity to play a very small role in their journey and that being able to like witness that whenever they come to my classes or whatever was just a really amazing thing to see. And, and I wanted other women to feel that. And, you know, identifying the glove problem was certainly like a first start to that, but I mean, the truth is, is that like the glove is such a tiny, tiny facet of all of that. It's really what it unlocks. And that's what I see the business is, is like, yes, we make product, we make X, Y, Z products, but what it actually does is it unlocks these, these people's ability to see what their potential is in a different capacity. But, you know, I saw what it did for myself. And so, um, I just, I, I wish that for everyone, whether it's through my company, Society9 or not, like that's not the point. The point is like, I just, I want, I want women especially to like have the feeling I did because 
it's a really special feeling to feel not inhibited, I guess. Is that the right word? Inhibited? Yeah, like when you feel, yeah, English as a second language. I know, language. sometimes when you say, <laughs> exactly, sometimes when you say a word out loud, it just sounds wrong. But yeah, you're, you're right. Um, it is kind of, it's amazing how something as simple seemingly as a punch has that power. Because I think I heard, I, I, I actually did a lot of YouTubing of you to see what was out there, to see what you've... Oh, damn. You know, because I've never done that before. I've never. I've never done it either, but I just don't even want to know. Because I wanted to see what was out there, that what, what people are saying about, about you. Whoa. Sorry about that, folks. If that was loud, I don't even think it was. But um, I wanted to see what other people were, you know, like what you have out there publicly and stuff like that. Because I've never really looked at your public persona. But you did say something about how women in our in our lives we are expected to be restrained to have the ability to you know the emotional intelligence to read a room read other people and be able to adjust and we're not given an excuse for our behavior we're the ones who are expected to police ourselves and that and I never made this connection directly where learning how to throw a punch and a kick or even just any kind of you know um really like athletic endeavor, right? Is is less um not less accessible, but I guess I guess in a sense, less accessible. It's not introduced to us like as a as a you know, a guarantee in our childhood necessarily and how by doing that, playing sports, doing the combat sports or do, doing any any kind of athletic endeavor opens up unlocks a part of your personality um, that you otherwise have kept, like, locked up. Does that make sense? I mean, you said it. I mean... Better than... I think the way I look at it is, like, it's like an unlocking of human emotion. So you have a whole spectrum. Yeah. Every human being has a, a spectrum, obviously, of human emotion. And, you know, you're allowed to feel happy, joyful, you know, and sad. But as women, like... All these other emotions are considered, and, and men too, I mean, I'll, I can go into that too, but it's like as women, we're not allowed to express aggression or anger because obviously there's volatile forms of that, like hurting another person. Okay, sure. Yeah. Or, or intentionally, at least. Um, in sport, obviously, it's different. My point is, is that we're, at, we're expected to suppress these emotions because they're deemed, you know, unsavory as women, unfeminine. Uh, not part of our nature, whatever the fuck that means. Uh, and it as and as a culture, as a society, in media too, like you you still see the little, not even little, I shouldn't even say little, the very blatant, uh, the really blatant ways in which we're encouraged to suppress those things. So that's why like when I used to teach and I would see women who were really timid coming in, you know, I, I really just want to get a great workout. I heard great things about kickboxing and I just I just want to try a class with her. So I'm like, great, sounds sounds awesome. They take the class and they literally they they look different after the class and then when they come back and take a second a second class. It's just it's because like they've unleashed something. I don't know what that something is. Could have been a bad day that they just needed to let out some energy, but it could be so much deeper than that, you know, and I I I'm, I think between being an instructor and now like owning Society 9, it, it's been really cool to be the beholder almost of a lot of these stories because sometimes customers will even share with us really personal shit. Like 
stuff that I feel very honored that they trust us. And I would never, ever share any of these stories, of course. But it's like, wow, like that I, I didn't necessarily intentionally seek that out to be a part of their stories or to like hear these parts of their journeys. But then like they choose to share it because like now they've defined that connection through what we made, you know, and it still shocks me even like saying that out loud. But, you know, I think that's what's really important about this whole experience is like, I don't really care if you wear Society 9 or not. I actually care more that, like, you find that energy, that... That outlet to allow you to experience your full spectrum of human... Emotion. Expression and emotion. Yeah, because, like, you're allowed that. You are allowed that. Yeah, that's a key distinction, I think. You know, we, we exist in a patriarchal society, so when we talk about equality and expressing ourselves, whatever, we, we tend to favor the more masculine and aggressive... Um, emotions right and actions and whatnot right we favor that but it's a key distinction um that we're talking about the ability of humans to be able to express their full spectrum of feelings and for men that could mean like the the vulnerability right yeah the I mean, fear the all that stuff like that that's important too because repressing that as we you know we've seen examples it could it could create some negative negative behaviors it's it's very opposite for men and you know you're seeing you're seeing a lot of like brave men I'll I'll say it brave men who are choosing at the risk of being uh pushed away or turned away by their male peers you know speaking out about how hard it is to share their emotion and how frustrated how frustrated they are that they can't or that they're scared and you know I'm I'm glad that there's a dialogue being started about it. I hope more men will realize that like you have a right too. You have a right to cry. You have a right to 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 feel, to feel. It sounds so stupid to even have to say it that way, but you have a right to feel. And again, so long as you're not hurting someone intentionally or being violent, like you do have a right to feel. So it's and it makes room. If you let yourself feel those feelings, it makes room for you to be able to like you know, work on whatever it is. Yeah. You know, I, it, it opens it up a little bit more other, other than, because if you package it away, it's always going to sit there. It's always going to sit there. And you know what? It's never going to allow you to actually process it the right way. And like, here's Lynn's relationship advice for the day. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't learn how to embrace those emotions, the full spectrum and how to communicate them to your partner, then it's only going to not only create more ambiguity, but you're never going to be able to find resolution because you're not actually addressing the emotion, the actual emotion, the true emotion behind whatever it is that's causing, you know, you to behave or say the things that you did or whatever. Hurt people. Hurt people. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. The call and respond. It's like a concert. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Mom was telling a funny story this weekend and I was dying. But she was telling us about how I, w- I used to make her, like, respond to my knock-knock <laughs> jokes. To my knock-knock jokes. And I have a secret fantasy of becoming a stand-up comic. Like, that's that's the one vision in my head that if I could if I could really just, like, be fearless, I would do that. So to know that the origins <laughs> were that pure, that I was, like, three or four years old and forcing her at, like, bedtime... To play, to play ball and, and do my call and respond type of things. 
Because I remember, we have video footage of me, like, actually trying to get her to participate. But anyways. My favorite was, like, the fact that T- our mom was saying how Tina made her do it, like, a hundred times. She, and okay, that's a, that's a exaggeration. She felt like it was a hundred times. Well, but she. But that was because she was trying to go to bed. Well, after working a long-ass hard day, making dinner, and now this bitch want to play knock-knock a hundred times. Knock-knock, bitch. <laughs> like. I'm the one who knocks. So, yeah, I mean, she was, <laughs> she had a point. You know, if she had just played ball, I probably would have only made her play like a dozen times, not a hundred times, but. Says the bully. Says the bully. God, it starts somewhere. Hurt people hurt people. <laughs> so I just got completely sidetracked. Um, that is one of my gripes about conversations around equality. You know, feminism, equality. I did air quotes. It's, okay, yeah, anything you can do, I can do as well. <laughs> sure. But it's also, it's not, it's not about, I feel like it's always about, like, the playing field is, I don't, I don't know how else to put it, but, like, the, the masculine traits. And that equality, the, the norm, the, the bar, is that we all have to act like men in order to be considered equal. But I feel like on the flip side of things, like I should be able to embrace my femininity, my femininity, if I could say it, that would help. And, and, and my, and be able to like appreciate that I have interests that are, are, you know, associated with, with women and, and, you know, like more, I don't, I don't know how else to put it. Like I, I, do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? Oh, I'm not sure. It's like we celebrate being aggressive and being, you know, kind of bold and masculine and and playing sports and being like lifting heavy and <laughs> learning how to fight. Like all of that is very masculine and that's cool. We look down, you know, it's very easy. Our internalized misogyny makes us look at women who like more feminine things, girly things as we negatively put it, as like not as not as uh equal. To like the other interests. But who's looking at that as unequal though? Society? We look down on, say, Kim Kardashian, for example, because she's into fashion and beauty. And she, you know, is emphasizes just her looks. And we see that as something that isn't as worthy as other types of pursuits. I mean, yeah. And, you know, we say when we look at equal rights and we speak to that, it's we all it's always within the frame of frame of view as women doing the things that men do. That's equal versus, you know, men can enjoy doing things that are associated as feminine. That's equality as well. It's, it's, it's in the other, other direction as well. So it's like the distinction is it's about being able to just be yourself, whatever that is, regardless of femininity or masculinity, because it's all worthy because it's all human. Yeah, I mean, I just look at it as different expressions. I mean, I, I, I feel like it goes both ways. I feel like on the I feel like on the one hand, there's an audience that's for and against, you know, the Kardashians for litany of reasons. I mean, for the people who are against them, it's it's literally hate hurt people hurt people if those same <laughs> hurt people were you know making 150 whatever million dollars a year annually i forget whatever their net worth is they wouldn't they would say sir sure as hell would not be feeling that way you know so 
you know, people who vocalize their opinions on that, I mean, that that's a reflection. That's self-reflection, in my opinion. I mean, on the flip side, like, you know, people who, women who, individuals, I should say, who tend to lean more towards, um, I don't even want to call them masculine activities because we're taking that, we're taking the, that vernacular away too, like societally and culturally. I mean, we're, we're, we are entering a world of gender fluidity and, you know, I've, I've certainly have had a lot of lessons this year. My employee is identifies as queer femme and she's been an incredible educator on that too, of just understanding like spectrum, especially because I myself am a cis hetero woman I, you know, I, I, de the world totally caters to me in terms of language, representation, etc. different forms of representation, I should say, whether it is a Kim Kardashian or, you know, Allison Felix, who's an Olympic medalist, you know, for the U.S. track team. Like, I'm, I'm the beneficiary of a cis-heteronormative world. But, you know, understanding now what it means to embrace that hypersexual hyper feminine side all the way down to you know the tomboy or whatever I mean it's it's a very interesting I'm still navigating that as well owning a business that uses language like you know we're celebrating women and all that stuff but then knowing at the same time that we have transgender women customers and gender fluid gender neutral customers who don't identify as either but they identify with us as it relates to their femme side I mean there's just so many nuances that I mean I can't sit here and educate anyone on any of it with any cohesion because it's it's evolving at such a crazy rate right now. It's it's super interesting, but I just you know I I think the 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 way that m the media and culture are still edu I shouldn't say educating the way that they're uh, pushing us to reflect on our own femininity is still definitely through a cis hetero male, male lens. lens yeah including the people including all y'all who like your nike sneakers and adidas and whatever like just keep in mind that even if there's a female manager or director the person who's above her is more likely than not a male vp or you know male president so everything that you're seeing even in the health and wellness lens is all being portrayed as to what men ultimately think is beautiful what men think is strong even the whole strong is strong is sexy stuff i mean that's that shit can get real dark too y'all strong is sexy is that hashtag is sort of the bane of my personal existence and professional actually yeah. um yeah it gets real dark because like you you have to ask yourself it's like why I I Lynn personally feel super strong why do I not feel sexy all the time at all sometimes you know like why is that and then I even think to myself like what am I what is being put on my Instagram feed what is being put in my Facebook ads I don't use Facebook anymore for a lot of reasons that's one of them but it's like what is being pushed towards me and then you think about the imagery you think about the supporting imagery like oh I didn't even follow this keto diet thing why is it why are they spitting me ads now too because they probably see that i am into working out it it's really fucked up it's all super fucked up and so i just really hope that people learn and find the things that make them excited to just live that sounds real dark but like well it's oh my god we can go so many directions i have so many thoughts i don't even know where to begin Yes, there's, there, you know, 
there's a legacy of who has been the dominant, you know, person, a dominant, like, source of power, I guess, to put it really poorly. M men. So everything, culture, media, all of that, all the imagery that we receive has been influenced, determined mostly by them. And then that power, like, retains itself over time and slowly more women, more people of color, more people of different sexual orientations and, and um, gender expressions are becoming creators of content, owning businesses and creating those, those visuals that we take in. Um, and so I feel like the evolution will, it, it's, it's, it's slow going. We have a lot to undo. Um, you can choose to look at everything and say it's super fucked up or you could do something about it, right? And, and, and become a creator and, and put yourself out there so that you can combat those images with your very own authentic self, which is part, you know, this is part of my, my um, mission is to just put myself out there in order to be represented because I'm the one who has the power to do that. Uh, and what was my other thought? Oh, you could choose to look at everything and 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 consider it fucked up, you know, and kind of have a chip on your shoulder, or you can or you can be critical in your eye when you look at media images in the media and just kind of take it for what it is and know where it's coming from and figure out ways to, you know, either whether whether that means that you stop looking at social media a whole lot stop using Facebook, like you said, you stop looking at Facebook, um, in order to combat that. You know, you make choices. You unfollow things that don't really align with your values, um, and you, you curate your life. I mean, unfortunately, you, you have to do that. But, you know, like, it's kind of a, a way to um, not let it all weigh on you so heavy. Because how, how, how else are you going? Uh, otherwise... You could just go about life being very angry and bitter and not, and, and, and that energy just kind of, you put it on yourself. I think what I worry most about people, my observation is that like, I feel like a lot of people now don't, don't know the very simple ways in which they can still engage in social media or whatever and set really healthy boundaries. Like there is totally a way for you to still use that shit and not like drive yourself fucking insane whether yeah. it's through the politics stuff that's going on whether it's you know the in my case you know health and fitness still being problematic in terms of like causing people to feel like they need to starve themselves or just whatever um that you should look a certain way or that you there's a certain life that you should be living or whatever um I think there's really healthy boundaries like for myself I mean if you have an iPhone there's a really awesome um, time limit app that they have on iOS now where you can set limits for what apps shut off after a certain period of time. So on my phone in particular, all so social networking apps, I'm allowed one, one and a half hours a day. That's it in total minutes. So whether it's I spend 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the afternoon, an hour in the evening, doesn't matter. But after an hour and a half, it shuts off. And then the time limit screen shows up and says, your time's run out for the day. And I'm like, oh, I guess I will read that post tomorrow if I remember. But if I don't, like, 
Oh, life, well. Life goes on. You have life to worry about... Life goes freaking on. Other and, fish to fry. And then, yeah, and then with Facebook, I mean, people tell me, like, well, I use Facebook because, like, I stay connected with all these people. I'm like, but do you? How do you define connected? Yeah, and I... You lurk. I've had this phone... My phone number I have had since I was in freaking high school. So... I haven't, so for all y'all who graduated from Capitol High School, if you've known me since then, chances are that number is probably still mine. So, unless I blocked you because I thought you were annoying, sorry. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, you can call me, you can text me, like, we can, if you want a relationship, you can contact me. You don't need to connect with me through Facebook Messenger. And so, like, I don't know. There, I find that there's actually, like, very easy ways to avoid this whole, like, I feel so overwhelmed by social media. Look at what so-and-so is posting. I'm like, who fucking cares? Because they probably have just as many issues as everyone else, and that one post is the one thing that made their day. And that's great for them. You know, like, so, I don't know. I think I, that's the thing I find so impressive about Gen Z, actually. So, Gen Z, I feel like they are the most hyper-aware of a lot of things that we're talking about, like the the changes in masculine culture, as well as like feminine culture and the intersectionality of those two things, the gender neutrality that we are trying to evolve from as a society, uh, transgender um, identities. Like they, they have, I find that they have a much more a widened understanding, largely because they've been exposed to the changing dialogue in our own media and culture in real time right now. The caveat to all of that, too, is that they're also the epitome of, like, online bullying, the epitome of, like, really living their lives through Snapchat and Instagram, and I forget the rate of, like, depression and suicides and stuff. I mean, it's awful. Like, the stuff that you can read about that, too. So, it, it's interesting because I don't want to use uh, really cliche language, but, like, in some ways, they're the most woke, and yet they're the most like sadly affected by this stuff too it's it's weird um I I observe and read that stuff all the time just because like I do find it so fascinating like I love just learning and about people and seeing how they're evolving with technology because I personally actually hate technology a lot for a lot of reasons and how what it's morphed into but it's critical part of my business so it's like I it's also empowering for some people right because they now have access to information they oh, otherwise totally there's so much good that can come out of technology I mean I mean I'm sitting here in my freaking you know U- U.S. palace of first first <laughs> world privilege so like U.S. palace yes yeah you know uh but <clears throat> so I yeah I acknowledge my privileges in that right for sure but just I mean at the end of the day it doesn't change the fact that facial recognition I find creepy straight up uh, ad technology, even though, yes, Society9 uses Facebook ads. Just right, like it's enabled a lot of people to be able to make money and, and be, you know, Absolutely. independently. Yeah, yeah. But the, just like everything else, there comes with costs, you know, and I think that's that's the, um, if I were to go back to school to study, like, sociology, absolutely, like, without a doubt, I would be study. I would be going balls deep into, like, a PhD or something on, like, technology and its effects on, like, human evolution, because, like, it, I just find it so hopeful but also just really fucking sad and terrifying at the same yeah. time man you, got real dark sorry you know we keep going there i guess it just i don't know what, what world's the, what, a hard what place the deal is. yeah exactly uh we're just real real talk right now when they look at groups around the world who you know like these enclaves of seniors who live into their hundreds and they try to 
determine what it is that is is contributing to their longevity. One of the key, like their diet varies, their activity varies, but what what's common, what tends to be common, is that they have a a healthy social life. We're social creatures. There's something to that, and it must be, you know, brain chemicals. As far as brain chemicals go, here goes the armchair expert. Um, there. There's something happening in person-to-person contact and, and community. I mean, we, you spoke about how community was really important to you and how that brought you like a better understanding of yourself via Krav. For me, it was CrossFit. There's something about that aspect of community and connecting with other people and whatever it does in the brain that is missing when all of your interactions with people are mediated, right, yeah. by a screen. Yeah, I just, you know... The disturbing shit that I see, like, going to restaurants, and I'm sure y'all see it, too, is when yeah. you sit and see a family of four. I mean, yesterday. Actually, yeah. Fucking yesterday. It was Easter. We were at lunch. We were at this Vietnamese restaurant. I'm looking over at this table of four. The dad, the mom, the two daughters who absolutely could not have been older than 12 or 13. I'm being generous. One was at least probably, like, under 10, and then the other one was, like, 12 or 13. We're all on their phones for a long time. And I was just like, oh my, like, I totally judged. Not that I would be the perfect parent. Like, I, you know, we don't have to get into that part. But just like, but that whole image though of like, they're, they're not having conversations. I mean, our family was hardly perfect. But I do think, uh, you know, when not having iPhones and smartphones and stuff, when I think of just the times where we did have dinner around the table, like, that's actually that's really freaking special even the times where I've been welcomed into other people's homes where like they too chose or said established rules that phones were not allowed there is something really special surprisingly about how analog that all is and actually how strong I think when I think about like my strongest relationships and friendships with people are the ones where like they have healthy boundaries Cause like, listen, I'm not here to be the phone police. I'm not here to judge you if you do do use your phone, but just setting really healthy boundaries. Even for example, you're having dinner with a person, some your phone buzzes and you check because you know you make sure it's not your parents, your sibling, whatever. Because that's my rule. If I'll always have my phone out, and if it buzzes, I only check and I'll only check and respond if it's my family. Otherwise, full stop. It can wait. Or if it's a deliberate emergency or something I have to pay attention to. I will preface it to that person to say, hey, by the way, uh, so-and-so's got to get back to me about something today, but that's the only thing I have to pay attention to. Otherwise, like, I, I'm ignoring my phone, just so you know. And then it's, it's just like a simple acknowledge of like, hey, I know you took time out of your busy life to make time for me. Thank you. It's a very, I, I find when people do that for me, that's how I feel. I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that you respect our time together, whatever that is. It's not even about business respecting our time together and actually like connecting and I get it phones are still part of life check your phone if you need to but you're you're still acknowledging my existence like you're acknowledging our relationship that's really important I think it's lacking these days I think it's a it's a question of like what what is it what are, what are you seeking when I'm with people what I'm seeking in that moment is <laughs> quality time with my friends talking to them, telling stories, laughing, because I cherish their presence and I'm taking it all in. And whatever's happening on my phone is, is, does not trump that. There's nothing that could absolutely 
reward me in the same way. And I mean, honestly, I wish I had more pictures of me and my friends, but because I put my phone away, because when we're together, there's nothing on there that is better than what is happening in that moment. I actually, in, in an effort to capture my life, I actually have to tell myself to pull my phone out and like take pictures and, and whatnot. Cause I do want those memories cause it's fun to look back at them. But you know, it's, I don't know. It's, are we, we're not able to talk to each other in person as, as much. Why is that? Is it because there's something about communicating via words, like, like via typing them out or writing them out that is uh, more comfortable than expressing them for whatever reason. Because you can curate. Because you can curate. You can curate your sentences. Right, exactly. You can edit. You could be, you could, you could think them out a little bit more. Why else do you think people break up over text? Because they're not forced to confront a conversation in real time. Instead, they can... And hear the vo- hear the tone in the voice. Yeah, which is very actual ironic. Emotion. Because, like, you write out, like, a breakup, <laughs> but the other person has no clue if you're, like, yelling at them or if you're you're cold or whatever, if you have any compassion in your voice. I mean, it's just, it's weird, man. Yeah. I'm sad. <laughs> okay, we'll, 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 flip, we'll flip to better I'm topics. I'm <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, I'm the, I'm the, a cynic. So we keep on, like, going, not negative, but we get real serious real fast, don't we? That's just how I am. I <laughs> She's just, brooding. No, that's just it's Monday, I, but it's also just how I am for real. Like yeah. this is who I am at thirty, y'all. Take me or leave me. I don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I shit's, hear you. Shit's hard. People like to make a lot of assumptions because everyone is just living their life through Instagram, and I'm just like, I'm not here for that. I'm sorry, I'm not here for that. I'm here for oh, I'm here for our customers who are there. She's and, here for a punch to the mic. But I just can't. I just can't. I just can't be bothered. I just wanted to marinate on that for a second, let you guys have a little moment with her words. I can't be bothered. She can't be bothered. Like, I feel like social media is, like, the realm of people's baggage. And so, like, as my wonderful colleague at Society9 Shannon likes to say, not my monkey. <laughs> it's not my monkey. I do like monkeys, though. I do, but, like, not yeah. as yours. <laughs> yeah. I... Gosh. I guess my... The way I look at it um, is that I, I ha- it's going to be like these curated lives and these messages that I'm receiving are going to be coming at me. That's just everybody's trying to sell something, whether it's their personal brand or, you know, how great their lives are or if you have products to sell me. And it's up to me, I, you know, it's up to me to, to bat some of that stuff away and take it for what it is. But, you know, with all the images that come at you, it is insidious. Like it does seep in and and has an effect on you. So you always have to do self-evaluation and, and like check where you're at and make sure that, you know, you constantly cali- recalibrate so that you don't end up getting too dark all the time. So that, that For me personally, that's just a survival tactic. It's not any, you know, comment on you. Like, I think it's important to to talk about these things. And, um, but, but yeah, for me, it's like, it gets exhausting to just see things in a way where it's like, oh God, every... You know these things are evil, or we're all we're all sad, and you know it's it's just all gonna go to shit kind of thing. I mean, not saying that that's what you're doing, but you know. I mean, it kind of is. <laughs> it kind of is. It kind of is. Okay, but I'm yeah. okay with that. Like, I'm okay with like that's my perspective. That's not everyone's perspective, and that's yeah. okay. Like, people can look me at look at me as a really like 
dark queen. You're actually not that dark. We're just, you know, we're just talking about things and that's how we see them. But at least y'all can trust that I will never sugarcoat your ass. I will tell you straight up how I feel about it. That's right. But and if I do actually love you, I will tell you that I love you at the end. <laughs> the only thing that she's going to sugarcoat is the delicious baked goods that she will make you. I can only make enough. one thing, and that's a biscuit. And I thank my boxing coach, Jordan, for teaching me that. So I can't even take credit for thank that. You, thank you, Jordan. Yeah. Well, you know, you learned well. I couldn't tell that they were, you know, done by an amateur. The trick is don't overwork the gluten, freeze your butter, grate the butter, but most importantly, don't overwork the gluten. Because that's how you get, like, freaking, you know, baseballs for biscuits. If you take nothing else away from this podcast, yeah, don't overwork, don't the, gluten. overwork the gluten. And hurt people, hurt, hurt people. people. So And not my monkey. And, not, and that's not my monkey. <laughs> um, let's... I'll try our best. What? Go ahead. I want to make a request that that's the name of this episode. Is not my monkey. Not my monkey. Sure. Why not? Because that relates to everything that we've talked about today. It's just like your darkness is not my darkness. Internet, like it's not for me. (laughs) Like it's not my monkey. It's my monkey though. (laughs) I like that monkey. Okay, or maybe hurt people. Hurt people. Yeah, hurt people. Hurt people. It's it's all those things. We're gonna try to turn this around and talk about inspirational things. As it pertains to you and how you've been able to uh, do what you do. I'm just trying to live, y'all. Despite... Let me live! <laughs> trying to, yeah. Um, so, the first question, and really it doesn't even have anything to do with business necessarily. It's just because you've had to apply it in such a... In a, in a way that most of us don't, you know? Um, and so it may enhance, like, the need to figure things out and, like... You're out there, your public persona essentially, and, and everything has higher stakes. But um, first question is how, what was the one thing that you had to, that was hardest to unlearn? And that could be like just the way that you see the world and you had to overcome that in order to get shit done. Mm. You know? What was the hardest thing to unlearn? Uh, feeling like something had to be a. S- um, exactly a perfect or certain way um, to get shipped out or like to, to get done like literally to to put out into the world whether it's like it could be something as simple as like something internally like an email like an important email that I have to send to an important person all the way to you know I mean I hate to say even like a, a product <coughs> excuse me when I launched our Kickstarter the glove was in a good state, but it was not 100% perfect yet. And in hindsight, I would have done more to make sure that the product was 100% uh, before I put it on Kickstarter. But isn't the standard of what is 100%? <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. Gosh. Um, isn't the standard of what is 100%? Doesn't that change? And so now you're saying that with hindsight. No, I, I think it's just how you look at it. Like, think about all the time that you feel like, oh, this has to be perfect, or, like, I just, I don't know if this is good enough. The truth is you're always going to feel that way. So I look at the, I call it the just ship it, quote-unquote, yeah, uh, mentality, which is finding a place which is not measurable. Straight up, it's not measurable. It, it's a muscle that you have to 
basically massage and build on your own and you only you know what that threshold is but like you got to develop a just ship it mentality and i some people who might be listening to this who work in the tech field might roll their eyes and be like this bitch really she gonna be like everyone else because it is like it is very silicon valley language like just ship it but it is it actually is a really beautiful thing that can apply to life it applies to me still to this day sometimes when I overthink something because the truth is is that like no product will ever be perfect like our product right now the buy a boxing glove it's our main product it's the product that we're known for there's still things I'm fixing to it or are making changes to to this day because as your customer pool continues to grow there there's still great ideas that are getting sent in some of which like we didn't think about you know, initially, or like, it's completely new that a handful of customers are sharing the same feedback. I'm like, Hmm, I guess we didn't think of that. Let's try to incorporate it this time. And like, instead of looking at that as like, Oh my God, we screwed up. It's more of like, wow. Okay. We get, we're giving them an opportunity to actually be a part of the journey too, like to be a part of the process. And like, believe it or not, I, they appreciate it. They appreciate the fact that they're, they're getting like a very small, but like a critical part of our story of our our whole creation so you know that's one small anecdote but it applies so much in my life too even with like cooking or like new projects I'm taking on it's just like just freaking try it like get over get over everything that you're inhibiting about what you think could or couldn't be and the other important thing is like asking for help people think that like being confident People think that being confident means that you have, like, a majority of the answers to things. But the truth is, like, that's actually not the case. And I can attest that because all people always say to me, man, how did you make that connection? Or how is so-and-so your mentor? I'm like, straight up? It's because I literally went into that first meeting being like, I don't know jack shit. In that exact language, I don't know jack shit. This is about how much I know, but, like, could you help me on this? Because I have no freaking clue. And they appreciate the fact that, like, I've just shared that vulnerability of, like, all right, she's not coming in here, like, chomping around like she's hot shit. She's like, all right, she was just like me when I, you know, was in her place and whatever. It creates this whole lane of, like, availability and connectability. And so, yeah, just ship it. It stems, it stems from insecurity. Big time. So get over that shit, y'all. You know? Like, it's like, get over it. It's like you, you want, it's, it's you proving, trying to prove to yourself that you are um, you know, able to do whatever it is and that you are worthy of, you know, that, that kind of my, um, mind state is what then creates like defensiveness, not wanting to ask for help, stubbornness and all that. So it's, so it's like a self-awareness needs to happen first in order to achieve. Absolutely. But that's what I'm trying to encourage y'all is like break that shit because honestly that will inhibit any of you from doing it anything and, and I'm not perfect either I have my days but when people she has her days but when people come to me and they're like how did you do this all you know like yes I'm a solo founder so like, how did you do this all by yourself I'm like listen real talk absolutely not by myself I could list easily at least 30 people in general who like fluctuate around my periphery whether it's a literal employee or a contractor mentor whoever but just I could easily name at least 30 people. And that's not even including straight up Kickstarter backers who don't know who the fuck I am. And somehow, whatever it was that I poured my soul out there, they believed in taking a risk on me. Like, you know, 
it's just you you've got to go out there being willing to say I don't know what I'm doing but this is this is what I think so far and let people in and then after that it's really just a matter of understanding how to balance the, the amount of help you're gonna get too because everyone's got a great idea but you you gotta pick a lane so then understanding how to gracefully accept the idea and say okay I'll think about it and then parsing out what makes sense for you and still making other people who like legitimately want to help like feel good and a part of the circle but also like managing your own confidence and vulnerability around all of that I mean it's, it's a, a lot of work it is a lot of work but yeah. the, the, the number one thing is like starts with you straight up can't control everyone else just ship it take a chance on yourself try it whatever that is and ask for help ask for help if you need it I also find that just ship it can also teeter into really intense like I can do it all by myself lies it's fucking lies. You can't do it by yourself. I can I can sit here and tell you that. You can't do it by yourself. So, like, you know, I I do my best to correct people when they're like, how did you do this all on your own? I'm like, I didn't. I didn't. I wake up every day to, to, to do most of the things, but I didn't do all this on my own. The fact of the matter is. So, yeah. Thank you to all the people who've, <laughs> who've said that. Yeah. <laughs> or who help you out, really. Or who help, yeah, yeah, help me out. But yeah. also the people who, who say that because it also, like, I've taken, a, I've taken it upon myself to make sure I correct people because I feel like startup culture has a tendency to glorify, like, this person's self-made. I mean, like, the Kylie Jenner story is, like, a perfect example of that. I mean, like, I'm not shaming Kylie Jenner for being a businesswoman. She is. She and, is and, and from born from a wealthy family. Born from a wealthy family. So, like... I'm, I'm absolutely not disputing that she had legs up. She doesn't dispute that either. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, the, this whole notion, though, that she did it on her own, she knows she didn't do it on her own. Like, the press made that for her. The press came up with the, she's self-made. That's not entirely her fault. Like, that's a, that's a bad on Forbes, quite honestly. Like, you know. It's, it's just a sexier narrative. Right. They gotta know? sell magazines. Yeah. Kylie Jenner's selling lip kits and shit. That's her prerogative. That's not her bad that Forbes chose to sell their magazines by framing her in that way. Did it help her sell more lip kits? Sure, absolutely. She let's be real here. She was gonna sell those lip kits regardless of whether people named her self-made or not. So, you know, it's a it's a that's a toxic culture aspect. So, you know, I encourage y'all while you're listening to self-help gurus and stuff to just remember that like it takes a village. Those people were not built in a day either. Yeah. But you guys it starts with you though. You gotta ask for help. So I got I mean as a continuation of that what was the hardest lesson you had to learn I mean obviously you didn't you didn't start out knowing this right you had to the hardest lesson I had to learn what do you mean like just in general I'm, I'm asking just generally okay, I don't know I what that I would could be. probably name like 20 but I mean <laughs> well ones that you would be feel comfortable talking about because I would imagine like obviously you embark on this journey you don't really know all you don't have all the answers you just had something that was driving you towards the need to create the a better glove, better boxing glove, better MMA glove for women. Um, but you didn't know that you definitely had to ask for help. I'm sure you had some preconceived notions about what an entrepreneur is and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, what was it that was the hardest lesson to learn so that you could speak from a place of wisdom now? Uh, wow. That's loaded. Or it could be, or it could just be a very like, um, like like an anecdote of like a like a like an actual. Okay, well, so the, okay, so the asking for help thing is that 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 is the 
easily one of the biggest epiphanies I had in this whole process when I think about like what's quote unquote helped me be successful I shouldn't even say successful which is like helped me get this far asking for help that's definitely the biggest lesson the second one I guess I'm only gonna I'm just gonna speak what easily comes to mind the second one would probably be that um to trust your gut more I know that's not helpful to most people but like I think it I for me it's been a lot more helpful when it comes to hiring decisions when it comes to relationships so even on a personal life standpoint like the whole theme of trusting your gut has been a thing for the last three or four years for sure like I didn't believe it enough until a few bad things happened to me and then I realized like damn it like I should have known like all those times I had freaking like literal stomach aches you know like when you wake up in the morning you're just like hugging the sometimes you need, yeah sometimes you need confirmation so you have to let it go too far yeah but not to your debt but that's the thing like not to your detriment and it was to my detriment so that's why like I'm just learning to trust my gut more and like and I find that like the more that I'm I'm doing that whether like something bad could have happened or not you know I don't know at this point but if I don't feel right I either end something, stop something, what you know, I just I just don't go through with it. Um and I sleep better at night. To be totally honest, at least on that front, like I sleep better at night. So um yeah, so I'm trusting your gut. I think the third one would probably be that um I don't want to I, this one it sounds so cliche, but it's like it's so I we've talked about like social media and all that stuff before. I just think people got I'm terrible at it. I still have to do it every hour, every freaking five minutes. But, like, you got to be kinder to yourself. Like, I I share that advice now because I have, like, fellow startup founder friends who, believe it or not, are meaner to themselves than even I am to myself. So, like, you know, giving them this advice helps me to remind myself too. But it's like, we are too hard on ourselves. Like, straight up. I mean, like, I... Last week was a perfect example. Something really difficult happened to me work-wise on Friday before my mom and my sister showed, or before my mom showed up. And, like, the only way I was able to crawl away from, like, the thing that happened was talking myself out of what it was that I was, like, blaming myself for. And I had to talk through it with someone. I talked through it with my colleague, Shannon, and I was like, okay... So this happened, but that doesn't mean that everything has completely gone to shit. Like, the business isn't completely down the toilet. It's just a thing. Like, and what is actually happening? And, like, talking through all that. And then realizing, too, that my family's in town. Like, like what's is, important to you? What's important to me? And and also, like, the whole being kind to myself. Well, I'm going to be kind to, my, by, to myself this weekend by fucking enjoying my family. So, like... You know, so even when you're admired in something really, really terrible, what you feel is terrible in that moment, like, take a step back and just be like, what is actually happening right now? And if people could hear the dialogue that happens to me 24-7... It happens to all of us, you know? My sister got to witness a little bit of it today. It would take your sister to work day. Like, <laughs> she probably saw me, like, switch gears, like, 50 million different times. And in between all the switching of gears, it's like, you have no clue, like, what dialogue is going in my head. 
And I can tell you, it's just like all over the goddamn place. Well, you have a lot on your plate all the time, which is why, actually, that that's a, another question I have for you is that you have a lot on your plate at any one time and you know you could stay up for days and not get everything done like how do you take care of yourself and make sure that your mental health is is intact um sleep is the biggest one like no matter good day bad day I physically get myself into bed if I can obviously if I'm traveling that makes it a little bit difficult but like um I try my best to be physically in bed by like nine-ish nine nine thirty and that's then, impressive but I don't sleep like I'll read not on my phone usually I try not to but if I feel like reading the news I'll allow myself that obviously but um I'm in bed then so that I, I'm falling asleep basically by like 10 or 10 30 um I I think that's probably been like one of the most important and simple things I mean, diet is another one, and I don't mean diet by, like, restricting food, but diet and just, like... Your nutrition is... is making deliberate there. choices, so, like, I'm not eating meat nearly as much, and that's just as simple as I realize I don't digest meat very well anymore, or it takes longer for me to digest meat, so I allow it for indulgences, like, and I say... Oh, I shouldn't even use that language, it's terrible. I, I You're forgiven. I enjoy it on the weekends, because, like, at the end of the day, like, there's plenty of things culturally, Vietnamese food, can't give up, but, like... Yeah. You know, but I generally speaking, like during the week, I mostly eat only like, like plant based, quote unquote. Like I just don't really touch meat that much. Um, so those are the simple things. The harder things that you can't quantify, though, are things like like you. I I was mentioning before we had technical difficulties that uh like you lose friends along the way. You just straight up do, and it's not even for malicious reasons. It's just like people myself included. But you know, you just realize that there are certain relationships that there's expectations that. You have to maintain a certain, whether it's how often do you should go out with them, you know, happy hours every week or bar crawling on the weekend or whatever. You know, you, there's these expectations of you that if you can't meet by choice, first of all, like, like I personally don't, I'm not like that socially. Um, but also like, yeah, I don't really drink anymore, for instance, and I do prioritize sleep. So those simple <coughs> lifestyle choices end up meaning that you're, Certain relationships kind of die out, which sucks. And at first, that was really hard. At first, it became a very isolating experience. And it still can be a super isolating experience. But, like, the more that I have been able to find my own community around things that I'm passionate about, whether it's been Krav Maga, for instance. I mean, now it's more of, like, my boxing community because I've been boxing more than I do Krav Maga. Um, but even even so, other other startup founders that I'm around who are literally going through the exact same thing, the same kind of isolation, the same kind of like people just don't understand the level of risk you're willing to undergo to like to create something that you legitimately like love and like really care about, even with the hard days and all that stuff. It's a very unique and like special bond that I do have with those particular people. So you just end up like you just shift communities and it's not bad, but but that was hard though. In the initial stages, like it was very isolating. So um the balancing is still super hard. But I think, you know, one of the things I'm an introvert, I'm an INFJ for anyone who cares about Myers Briggs. I always forget which one I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm an INF INFJ. I've learned to wear that loud and proud because it's a very small part of the population who are who qualify as an INFJ and one of the characteristics of INFJs is that a uh, extrovert introvert so like my business persona I don't even like calling it persona but like what I put out there it's very extrovert and it's authentic I it doesn't you take, have to be you have to put your message out there so but it doesn't that 
aspect of me doesn't take work in the sense that it is authentic. Like, I don't feel like I have to sell myself in any sort of way. It is legitimate. But, like, as soon as I'm done, like, doing what I need to do, whether it's in a meeting or, like, being in that person, being on that side of me, I shut down immediately. I'm like, okay, going home, not talking to anyone. The last thing I certainly want to do is be dicking around on my social media because then I have to talk to more people. I, like, go into my personal stage and I... I'm cooking, I'm cleaning, I'm being present in my own space. Like, I am definitely in that spot. And so that's how I create those distinctions and boundaries, you know, and being more forgiving for my to myself with things like the gym. I used to be a six-time-a-week gym rat, straight up, proudly, happily, etc. When that wasn't a part of my identity anymore because literally my energy level could not allow it, like... There are plenty of days where straight up, I'm just so exhausted that I'm like, give me a couch. It's not even about the TV. It's just like, I can't even process a workout. The idea of you giving me a six punch combo is not, it, it's, it's not doable for me. It's not healthy too. You only have so I, much to give. I actually just want to shove my face in the couch and just shut my eyes for like 15 minutes. Like that's what being allowed... The balance part, quote unquote, when people ask me, work-life balance, how do you get working out and stuff? Actually, the reason why my workouts are even remotely fruitful are because I actually allow myself a lot of vegging days. And vegging days doesn't mean like eating the crap out of It's also called recovery if you you want to frame it differently. Yeah, recovery. Yeah, straight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's actually a much better way to put it. It's recovery. So like recovery means, yes, allowing myself to shove my face into the sofa couch cushion and just literally be no music no nothing just no stimuli no stimuli oh my god like you have enough stimulation in your brain i'm sure with thoughts and people are like well why don't you go do yoga and i'm like nope because that's still someone telling me to do something and i actually just want to be still well different strokes for different folks yes but i'm like i'm just explaining why like you know i don't go to do yoga because that's also social simulation you're around a teacher you're on your classmates or whatever you know you're not actually being still mindfully and so you know in, in a weird way that's my meditation that sounds weird but like no but i mean people think meditation it has to be this particular thing it's just about being able to quiet your mind and and uh focus on what it, whatever is happening in that present moment without you know thinking in the past or the future or somewhere else. Right. To the point about, like, losing friends, sometimes, I mean, it's a it's rare a friend who evolves with you, or anybody in your life who evolves with you through all your different stages and different versions of yourself, you know? Interests, just demands of life or whatever, and, like, relatability, right? Yeah. The people who we related to most in high school when we had a certain set of problems changes when we're 30 years old and have a whole completely different set of problems and an evolved, um, you know, frame of mind, point of view. But also, it's an economy of your time, too, that you don't have time for people and you prioritize... You are number one. <laughs> and so whatever is most important, you know, for you, which is, like, time to yourself to do all that, like, that's... I think when we get into a game where we look at how we spend our time and think about what we should be doing and not looking at like what it is that you want to get out of your time. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think a lot a of problem. people 
think a lot of people miss that aspect about like yeah how exactly how you choose your time I mean like what and I'm not using I'm not trying to like tell this story as like a bragger you know but something that I still find really like yes I am blessed for sure because I've I, I do think that it is strange in this way but like if someone told me to go run six miles tomorrow legitimately like give me my running shoes like I'll go do it and I've done that before where like I haven't run forever and then I go run for like five miles and I'm comfortable good for you yeah like <laughs> I'm totally the asshole y'all can hate me but yeah good I'm, cardio good cardio but I guess the point I'm trying to make too is like at least as it relates from like my body when people ask me like how can you do that it, it, I do believe part of it is like DNA or just like how I'm built because yes like I'm blessed in that way but the other part of it too is like I do know other people who, you know, may be similar to me in terms of, like, former, like, activity levels or whatever and can't do that. I, I do firmly attest it to something as simple as sleep. I'm actually really fascinated by sleep studies because I have very, very terrifying nightmares most nights. And it's something that I wish I had time to do, like, a sleep study on. So sleep science in general is something I find super fascinating. I'm always, like, reading up anything that's, like, posted on NPR about it or whatever. One of the things, though, is that, like, that I consistently read is that good sleep is, like, it's better than any coffee or supplement or anything that you could ever possibly take. And so, like, that, I do think that's between sleep as well as, like, a general check on, like, what I'm eating. Because I don't cut, I had a, you know, I don't cut anything from my diet, but I just make different choices or I sort my choices so that I can have a little bit of everything. And, I, you know, I, I don't know why, but I, I find that that allows me to have enough optimum levels, quote unquote, to like do a 90 minute workout comfortably or like go work out, go for a run, I'm saying, at a random time. You know, I I don't really understand how it works that way. And I... I it's, it's very functional. Your body and it's, it's the functional. fuel and the recovery, yeah. right? Like it's very basic. It's It's... Without those things and taking care of yourself, especially as you get older and your, I don't know, your regenerative abilities lessen over time, like you, you need to be more cognizant of those things. Yeah. And that's baseline. And making choices. It's yeah. really as simple as that. It's about making choices. And like, and I think I still struggle with this. I've gotten better at it, but like working to move away from shame-based thinking of like, well, if I don't do this, like, that means, like, all these things about me. Because I used to do that. I, it used to be, well, I should go to the gym. Man, because I yeah. have a brand that represents... I mean, that, but even something as simple as, like, forget the business for a second. There are times where I, as a human being, I'm like, I should go to the gym. Like, I'm gaining weight. I'm, you know, I, I, I am out of shape. I'm not as in shape as I used to be, you know... Or, or I ate something, or, you know, yesterday, I really should work that off. I go through those same fucking motions. But then, like, I check myself, too, and I'm like, actually, though, like, I'm okay. I actually need, checking my body and being like, I actually need this a little bit more. And I have more freer time on Saturday, let's say, to work out. I'll do that when I'm feeling a little less pressured on, like, time that's the other thing Monday through Friday I've realized like I just feel constantly pressed for time and and that includes time to be still so that's another reason why even like evening workouts which is what I used to do I don't even sometimes fit an evening workout anymore because I'm like I prefer more time to be still now so instead of like cram an hour workout in speed home 
shower, eat, like that whole frenetic pace of like making sure I get to fit all those things in. Sometimes I'm just like, you know what? No, I actually need like three hours to be still. So it could be as something as simple as like doing my fucking laundry and sitting on that couch for an hour or whatever. But that means like, does that eat up my gym time? Yep. It's going to eat the gym time. Yeah. That's okay. And you got to be okay with that. So yeah, we glamorize the hustle. Hustle porn is fucking uh, hustle stupid. Hustle porn and it's like, go, go, go. But from like an energy standpoint, it's like you're basically, unless that's naturally how you are, which is wonderful. Congratulations. But like. It's, it's actually it's, not sustainable. For it's not sustainable. People. It's not sustainable for most people. Um, and it's it's like fight or flight. You're constantly in fight mode. And if you don't take care of yourself and recover, you your ability to be able to continue, you know, moving at that frenetic pace is lessened over time. Speaking of balance and time, I see your eyelids getting pretty heavy. <clears throat> we're we're encroaching on your bedtime. This. <laughs> <laughs> device I have right here is setting its own boundary <laughs> and it's quit on us a couple times so I'd like to I guess that means I don't want to wrap it up yet but I have to um I like to end every episode with something I call an attitude of gratitude I feel like we've sort of fluctuated between you know going to a dark place and talking about the very realistic nature of life <laughs> Yeah. And then also, like, how do we combat that? And how do we figure out how to uh, put a positive spin on things so you can, you know, survive and go about your life and thrive? So when I talk about attitude of gratitude, we could talk about anything right now in this moment that you're thankful for on any level, big or small. It could be as simple as you're thankful for um, the, the weather or that your car is working today or you know that the bag of chips you had before we recorded because you were hungry you know stuff like that i mean honestly my my response is gonna be hella deep because like lot shit goes on every day big and small and like i honestly i'm just super i mean i have a very 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 small group of people who i consider like writer and i some people who are directly related to the business um but then there's also, like, personal people in my life, like, my family. And, like, yeah, it's about as simple as that. Like, the weekend was a perfect example of that. It's, uh, something terrible could have happened, which I felt like it did on Friday. But then I had really awesome people between, you know, Shannon, my colleague, all the way to, you know, my family. And it made me realize, like, it's really, it's all, it's fine. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Nothing is as big as those things. So, yeah. Attitude of gratitude. I'm thankful to um, have this lesson learned here that I should have my devices fully juiced to the gills <laughs> before I begin recording because I'm asking a lot of this. And uh, if I hadn't done it the way I shouldn't do it, I would not have known. That I need to make sure things are... You gotta throw shit against the wall. I know, and see what sticks, right? Just ship it. Just ship it. I think that's a good place. You're still gonna edit this. It's gonna take you a little bit more time, but <laughs> you're still gonna edit this. It's gonna be a great episode. Yeah. And it's still gonna work. Yeah, exactly. Thank you guys for listening. I uh, really appreciate you and love you. You can watch the video version of this podcast on my YouTube channel. 
Um, follow me on Instagram at Tina Bites. Follow at Society9. Yep, 9 right? is spelled out N-I-N-E. Society9. Spelled out N-I-N-E um, on Instagram. You can follow me personally, Lynn, L-Y-N-N underscore L-E. Indeed. That's it. That's it, guys. Till next time, stay hungry. Every day. Every damn day. Yeah, hustle porn. <laughs> Not like that. <laughs> it's a state of mind. It's bedtime. <laughs> it's a state of mind. <laughs>